snow. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Yes, wow. I wish I could get rid of that bloody wild thing. I don't know why it's happening, but thank you so much for turning up. And there's lots already in the chat, so that's lovely to hear. Thank you and see as well. So, hello, everyone. Pauline's in there. Stephen Bramwell's in there. Hello, Trevor Powell. Leanne. Sean Iris Terrier. God, Amelia. Hello, Amelia. Nice of you to join us there. Audrey's in. Audrey was the second one into the chat today there as well. So, Bill's Countryside Adventures was the first one. Bill. A little bit, as you know, a little bit of housekeeping discord. Please pop over there. Come it is now its own thing. It runs itself, and it's just getting bigger and bigger. So we'd love to see you in there. And, yes, he's still there looking so low forlorn at his sweet corn. And that's, <laughs> that'll be all gone, I guess, there now there, Steve. And, potty mouth, please sign up, subscribe to that. And, if you don't mind, the very final one, the podcast. The podcast is growing. So this kind of show lasts around about, you know, an hour. And if you just want to listen to the audio... It's it's this is how I listen to it and like you see just in the car taking the dog for a walk I listen to that as well so yes so welcome to the Potty Mouth Guard Club. <laughs> Yes, so hello, and there we are. Hello, hello, everyone. Yes, we have. Yes, Steve, Audrey, and Jess. Lovely to have you on, Jesse. Thank you so much again for coming on. Our special guest. That's the way I like to think of Jess, our special guest. How are you doing, Jess? Are you all right? Good. Good, good, yes. Uh, How's how's garden? Things going all right in the garden? Yeah, I haven't I haven't been up to the allotment for like five days, so it could be a catastrophe and I wouldn't know about it. So, oh, so you so you still haven't been up like now, you still haven't been up yet because we've been talking about No, it. no. Oh, right, got, right. got back like last night and haven't been up there. Mum's been up there obviously, like but I haven't been up there. She Mind hasn't it's, told me anything. It's really quite nice that when you haven't been and then you go back and you can see things growing and you can see like development, you think, Wow, do you know what I mean? if I leave it alone, things are all right. <laughs> Well, Jess, it's lovely to have you on. Thank you so much. The old boy. Yeah, look at the old fella there, Stephen. Stephen. Now, I think, Stephen, someone mentioned that you were rocking and rolling on your chair last last week. So we're just going to try and keep Stephen calm and let just he's gonna stay there and not uh, <laughs> not I? move yeah. <laughs> no, no chance, chance no chance are not you well absolutely sir? no chance are you well sir I've been a, yeah i'm very well thank you i've been I, a fidget since birth i can't stop i know no, i'm doing very well right now but that's only because i'm blinded by this new light i've got i know it's funny how we've all got lights here now and you just kind of you look at them and you think oh, you can't see a bloody thing so but it's <laughs> Stephen's nice. How's how's the garden going? The allotment going good? It's going okay. I've got a lovely harvest out of there just yesterday. I think brilliant harvest. Yes, so yes. well pleased with that. Things are ticking over, and I'm getting on with a few other jobs at the same time. So oh, we'll, we'll come back and we'll have a little chat as well. Now, Ooh. Audrey, hello, Audrey. How are you doing? Hello. Yeah, it's lovely to have hey, you back hey. on. How are you doing now? Audrey, yeah. last week, now I, I think you were in the chat screaming at her about tomato seeds. Are, are, yes, so, I was. So we can't sow green tomatoes 
you can't use them seeds. Is that right? Okay. Can you use the seeds? Perhaps. What is the best to let any kind of fruit, anything get mature? That's it, it, You kind of want to mimic what um, nature does. Mm-hmm. So nature is going to let it get mature and fall off the plant. So that's the best time to get your seeds. So I, to be honest, it's something I, I never even thought about, Audrey. You know, and I was just kind of... It, yeah. it, it kind of came. It was that question, and I was like, "I honestly have no idea." You know, can't. And... Well, it goes for everything. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to save flower seeds, you wait till they go, like uh, bolt where where the seeds are mature. But right, you don't. Oh, I, and... I, it, when you when you right. someone when someone lays it out exactly like that, it makes perfect sense. But when you're kind of yeah. just thinking about it by yourself, you really think. I wonder if you can. Do you know what I mean? But maybe the the might germinate, but you might get a poorer like plant. Well, it's kind of like if you uh, save F one's tomato seeds, you're still yes. going to get a tomato plant. Mm-hmm. You just might not get a duplicate of, of what you took them from. Yes, but yes. you still get tomato plants. Yes. Well. So, well. Yeah. I'm sorry I missed that with you were trying to tell me in the comments there. Oh, yeah, I wanted a corner and I could blow and go, you guys. <laughs> Common sense. We wake up. Come on. <laughs> now, don't forget as well, if you want a question asked or answered by our esteemed guests, just put a letter Q. I'll do a search there now. Just put a, a little Q before you. Oh, they're all there. So you write your question with a letter Q before the question, and then I can find them. So we have questions already in. But I want to kick off with, I'll tell you what I'll put myself on. I've got a little parcel came through to here, and I'm, I haven't opened it, but I'm not 100%. It's either elephant garlic or garlic. So I want to just open it out and... I got. I wrote it down. I got King Seeds. I bought me garlic from, and I bought elephant garlic from. I think it's Simple Seeds. So now this is me garlic, Stephen. Everybody, Jess. What is that? Does that actually? It looks. I'm quite impressed with it. To be honest, they're nice size. Decent size, size bulbs. Aye, they're right. Nice. Decent size. I was getting a little bit worried, you know. I bought. Let's have a look. I mean, I've got some. Gosh, yeah. she got enough. <laughs> well, you've, you've got to think, Stephen. I'll just push on back there. You've got to take four, you know, two of them away for the white rot. So then, my yeah. my gardening incompetence. You've got to take them away, right? And then, and then the birds and everything else. You've just really got that one there, left there. So, oh gosh. <laughs> actually, I'm quite. I'm I'm really quite happy with that. I've, have you got your garlic in? Have you got it bought, Steve? Oh, you use your own garlic, don't you? I am doing this year. I'm using, uh, I think I planted either, I can't remember the, if it was four bulbs or eight bulbs last year. I'll have to check back. But whatever I do this year, half of the bulbs I plant will be my own and the other half will be bought. And I'm waiting for a, an order of uh, seed garlic. Um, my own elephant garlic, I grow that. And I'm going to grow a few more this year than I have previously. Normally grow about 30, but I want to knock it up to 40, 45 um, for this well, next year. Well, honestly, you have totally kind of reversed my thought with the elephant garlic. I mentioned this a couple of times, Steve. And now 
I've kept about six or eight good-sized bulls, what I think is good-sized bulls for the garden, but the rest, it's... You know when you say it's a mild taste, it's still got yes. a good garlic taste. It certainly is a lot milder. Yes. But Because yeah. I, I was honestly ready just to throw them away and not bother. But then in gravies, in sauces, it just it's gives gorgeous. that... Oh, it just gives that background heat. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely well, it's gorgeous. Just, it's, it's just another allium flavour that is in your diet. You've got all these things. You've got your garlic, you've got your shallots, you've got your elephant garlic, and you've got your um, your leeks. You, if you, you've got all these different tastes, I mean, even in onions, you've got four or five different tastes you could go for mm -hmm. and ways, you know, this one might be good with salads and this one might be good for cooking or slow cooking. So there's so much in there to explore, you know, and that's what I love about the, oh. the actual alley implant itself. Just so much variety in there. Well, I, I'm trying to, I haven't got the actual price there on, so, but this one was from King Seeds, so... Yes. Oh, you went to the expensive one then. Well, I didn't I go. So, Jess, I'll come to you a second there. Didn't I, the last time from the elephant garlic, I've tried the Isle of White garlic, and I just wasn't happy with them at all. Do you know what I mean? The kind of the elephant garlic, the centres was just shocking. It was like smaller than garlic, and I thought, you know what? I'm never going back there. So, but Jess, have you got your garlic in? Have you got. Elephant got no, nothing, no, no. Do you plant it roundabout now, or? Uh, I'm still undecided whether I'm going to do it. Last year, it was just so. It was actually disgusting what I pulled out of the ground. It was. <laughs> you know when you're doing something so bad, you're trying to get it out of the ground. I was retching. It was so rotten. Oh right, and right. Allium leaf miler and white rot and oh. rust that you're trying to scoop it out of the ground rather than harvest it so so, I'm a bit reluctant. Wow. so when was that then Jess was this this year or last year did you see it yeah that was this like early this year when right, I was picking it right. it was just, just and it looked fantastic for so long it really fooled me so it was extra heartbreak well it's funny because I was for the onion side of it I was normally have some quite you know half of it goes to white rot but I don't yeah. know if it was to do with the, like the heat this year you know we've had amazing heat and I don't know if that's kind of had anything to do, but my onion has been amazing. Do you know what I mean? I think three or four onions were the only ones that got the white rot. So, but I know JB has the trouble with it, Jess, and he's mm. going to like, just do it in like pots, like container pots and try and, you know, like, yeah. bring in soil and keep it away. So there's that That's option. What I'm uh, yeah, like a big polystyrene trough um, that... You know, one of those ones you get cold fish in at the market, like a huge yes, thing. So yes. I'm not that over to garlic this year, but um, I haven't actually got around to to ordering it yet. And somebody told me that def oh, definitely go to the Isle of Wight Garlic Company. And now you're like, nah. -uh. Well, so, I, I guess I mean I don't want to kind of certainly like disrepute them, but just for me personally, I've tried a couple of times with them, and each time yeah. it, it hasn't worked. Do you know what I mean? And I even showed on video the last one, the elephant garlic. The bulbs were like. Tiny, do you know what I mean? And I didn't yeah. even, only out to say twelve. They're quite expensive. Out, I think yeah. twelve cloves. I could only use six, and I thought, you know what? Where, yeah, that's, you know, what I mean, this is the first time I've used king seeds, but you know, they seem all right. Or a couple of years ago, I got some elephant garlic from Wilco's actually. Um, right, like quite the end of the season. It's just you know, in where they do those like bar bargain bags of stuff. Right, it was fantastic. 
fantastic. I actually got got it to grow. It's the only time I ever have. So I was pretty pleased that about twenty. There you go. Now, Audrey, you, we, I know we talked about garlic, and that, you've got enough to kind of feed America, you know what I mean, <laughs> kind of reserves. Okay. What about elephant garlic? Would do you grow elephant garlic? I do. I do. So I've pulled aside the elephant garlic that I'm planting this season, and I'm only planting 200 of... <laughs> Because <laughs> <laughs> yes, if no one, if no one, most people know though. Audrey made a mistake with her, your ordering system, Audrey, and I think you ended up. Yeah, I didn't with... have a system. That was the problem. <laughs> I think you ended up with a. <laughs> yes, yes, I need more. Yes, so, but uh, you planted all them, didn't you? So they all came, and you yeah. all got a great crop. Oh, absolutely. It was wonderful. Yeah, yeah. And so if you stop by my home right now, um, you're going to leave with a bouquet of garlic because there's no way we need that much. So when do you <laughs> sow yours then, Orge? I will be doing it this week or next week. Right, right. Yeah, I got to get it in. Have you ever tried like early next year, like say March next year? Have you ever tried that? No, because don't they need to be um, frozen for a little bit? Well, I've just seen a couple of yeah. like the YouTube gardeners on here. Yeah, you know, Dan's what's it, allotment diary. He plants his in March. You know what I mean, and gets a. He seems to get a stunning late crop. You know what I mean. So, yeah, I want my garden beds probably. That's earlier. a good. Uh, that's a good point. I yeah. want them coming out end of June, July. Mm. So I saw twenty fourth of June. It's written in where I'll pull mine. <laughs> you don't wait for it to tell you it's ready. No, no, 24th of June. Okay. <laughs> Stephen, but when Gosh. when would you, you... You put yours in now. You don't bother with the kind of March. Or did you used to, if I remember? I have I have done it in the past, but the, the season was never long enough, I felt, to get a decent-sized bulb. So I've, I've always done the elephant garlic and sort of, well, now, October... Uh, my normal garlic I used to do in sort of February in modules in the polytunnel, and then I'd plant them out in sort of March, beginning of April. But they never really got to it. They were okay, but they were just never of a decent size. Mm -hmm. So now I've changed over, and they all go in in the autumn now, all right. in October. Right. Stephen, while you're there, I'm just going to jump, because Phil Hurst is asking a question. What's the best way to site a polytunnel, east to west or north to south? East to west. I know. I was going to, yeah, definitely, because then you just get the full sun, the full day, right yeah, across. The sun rises over the top, and then it sets at the far end of the tunnel, and it rises at the, the other end of the tunnel. It's, it's just brilliant. And then you've got one side of your polytunnel for your tall plants, like your tomatoes and cucumbers. Anything else? Could you give any hints to, to fill... No, that's, that, that's enough, I think, isn't it? That answer this question. <laughs> Let's have a look then. Let's see what else we got. Oh, Jess, I've just noticed there there's a question for you, Jess, if you don't mind. Uh, gardens in the woods. Jesse, do you know how to how I prune a very old and unkempt apple tree? No one has taken care of this tree since the late 70s and early 80s. Wow. wow. That'll be congested. Wow. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, I guess it's a huge one. Oh, Is it? I was going to. I'm, I'm guessing just because we've got some in the allotments where I kind of go, Jess. There's, um, there's 
the big trees. Can you just c- cut all that right back to like say a few few branches in the the trunk, or will that kill it off? I mean, it, I, I mean, obviously, it depends how bad it is. There's an apple tree about five allotments away from me. Um, that was absolutely vast and it took up like basically it shaded out half of one of the big allotments up there and a new guy took it on and just got some people in and they basically cut it down to like it was its trunk it was like pollarded you know it's right right everything was cut down at the top and there was a huge hoo-ha about it this was about six or seven years ago and last year it produced fantastic apples and it's back to being you know, quite a productive tree where really most people were sort of saying uh, there was two camps. It was either like leave it as it is, it's a beautiful tree, or cut it down entirely because it's taking up too much space. Right. And it just kind of went, well, I'm doing it my way. And it actually ended up working out brilliantly. Um, yeah. So it depends how how bad it is, really. You know, so you so was, was that tree spoiling his allotment plot? Is that what it is? That why? It's about two thirds the way up his, so it shaded out basically a half of his allotment, but also all the other ones that joined on that end. I mean, this tree was vast, right, not particularly right. tall, but it was you know, when they just spread, it was a huge yeah. big. Um, but yeah, he actually has come back, come back brilliantly. It's a wow. beautiful tree now. Um, Steve, anything on apples? Are you a, a fruit and apple guy? Would you know what to do yeah. with it? A lot of apple trees, actually. There's a couple of rules when you're pruning out an apple tree. First off, cut cut out all dead, diseased or dying um, branches. Cut all those out first. And then you've got to shape it after that. And what you want really is a goblet shape. So you want your branches around the periphery and a hollow centre in the tree if you can. So you're going to have to get in amongst the tree and cut those out. And that allows the better airflow. Um, and that's basically it, really. And then prune prune down to length. Apples always come back. They're very good. And I'll give you a good tip of a, a really good apple guy I've seen on YouTube. His name is Stephen Hayes. If you search for him, um, he's got some fantastic videos about, and especially about restoring some old um, apple trees that he's been asked to do. And when you see how brutal he's been with an apple tree, uh, several apple trees. You'll never worry about pruning ever again. Mm-hmm. So, but they come back and fruit, and he goes back and looks at them. So, I think you, you answered me question there because there's a few people mentioned that where you do this kind of hollow in the centre. Yeah, that's purely for the air to get through, is it? Yeah, just better airflow. Yeah, so you don't get things like mildew and all them other kinds right. of associated diseases that I take no notice of completely. <laughs> <laughs> just ignore it or just do the pruning and, and everything will work. So. Right, right. Audrey, well, Stephen I, Hayes. Stephen Hayes, I'll have, a, I'll have a look as well. Audrey, what about you? Do you fruit trees? Is that something that's into your realm? Nope. We Not don't have room. Oh, right, right. Bloody yeah, garden's uh, massive. Give well, up a bed. But- <laughs> I have this huge magnolia tree in the middle of the backyard, so there's really not a lot of room for any other trees. Right. So we'll see. It took a bad hit with the last windstorm, so, you know, maybe there's hope. How uh, how old is that tree, Audrey? I don't know. It was here when we bought this one. Right, right, right. So it's looking like that's an older tree. Right, right. Yeah. Let me have a little look, see if there's anything there. Um... 
Oh, JB's popped the channel up there, yeah. There you go, right. 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 I'll go Stephen again, if just for the, the time being there, because I'm just uh, lightly gardening at home, Stephen. You didn't, I've inherited yes. some shared ancient blackcurrant bushes on the next plot on my allotment. Not having grown them before, when and how do I prune these ones then? Um, well, again, you, you check into these things. It's not always the case, but for most fruits, you generally prune them after you've harvested the fruits off them. Um, I mean, that doesn't apply to things like plum trees, but, you know, as a general rule, after things are fruited, that's when it's best to prune them. And it's the same with blackcurrants. Just don't go mad on them. Just don't go ballistic and cut them right down to the ground. Cut two-thirds off, leave a third, and then next year you can always trim a bit more off. Is the same rule apply, Steve, like with the hollow middle as well? or trying Because I know that happens. Yes. You, can, you can do that for yeah. like gooseberry bushes. You know, you do that for... Yeah, oh, for all those fruit, fruiting yeah. bushes and, and trees, yeah. The more airflow you've got in there, I think I saw Mark's allotment plot right there. You know, you've got to leave enough room for a bird to fly through it. That's the old... The old oh, adage. that's granddad's granddad's rules, is it? <laughs> oh, it's not mine. I mean, I, I've heard that before, but um, it's Mark who put that up there. So right, right. It's probably Mark's granddad. <laughs> <laughs> Jess, have you got any black currants? Are you into the black currants or not? Or yeah, I I like black ones and and red currants. Both of them I really like. And you're supposed to prune them opposite, aren't you? Um, uh, I'm trying to remember what the rule is, but the red currants you prune after fruiting and the black currants have a different rule. And I'm trying to remember what right, it is. Right, right. Uh, the shape's the same. It's the shape's the same, but I never... I used to have both in the fruit cage and when we ripped the fruit cage out, um, the red currant survived, the black currant didn't. And I've only just put a new black currant in. So it's been about five years since I've, since I've had to sit down and prune one. Um, I'm sure... It had a different rule to red currants. Right, and do you get a? Did you get a good hot? Because I had it. I mean, I didn't give it much chance. I'll be honest. Do you get a good harvest from <laughs> your black currants? Yeah, we used to. the The shrub that we had was about fifteen years old, and it was brilliant. Right, uh, but it just, uh, yeah, it just didn't. It didn't cope with being moved, which is understandable. But and um, how tall did it? How tall did it grow, Jess? It wasn't huge, actually. Right, um, right. It was about maybe three foot, but it oh. was about four wide. It was it had been you know done really nicely. It did have. I mean, a bird could fly through it. Like it was. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. I know I pruned it a different time of year than I than I pruned the red currant. Right, so. right. Are you all right? Are you all right there, big fella? You, you, are you fidgeting again, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Can't help it. Well, I've just, I'll tell you what I've got when we're talking about fruit there. I'll just mention, um, let's have a look where it is. Oh, who was asking it now? Now, it was a question from last week. I, I think I should have kept the name there. What soil type do we need for raspberries? Now, I know I've got raspberries. Now, I've just been normal, <laughs> normal kind of soil and then cutting them back and kind of mulching and everything like that. That's, I guess that's what it is. It's, there's no special soil for black the for problem, raspberries. There probably is, not that I know, but I mean, my experience with raspberries is they'll, they'll grow through tarmac if you let them. <laughs> I mean, they'll grow anywhere. And, it, and it's it's stopping them growing, that's a problem. Uh -huh. Because, as you know, they'll come out from the roots oh, and they'll come up in between your paths or your next bed. 
Um, so no, I don't have you think got this Ras- is special soil. Uh, have you got raspberry, Steve? Have you? I riffed all mine out a couple of years ago. Um, can't remember why now. There were been valid reason, but I had a load of those Autumn Bliss, which are the golden autumn yeah. raspberries. I don't think they were doing really very well where they are because I've got a neighbour's hedge literally about six foot behind it, and that neighbour have let them get too big, these trees. Some of them are like 60 foot tall, and I don't think they did very well because of the roots coming under my plot, but we're just in the process of getting rid of them. They've all been topped, and hopefully this next year we can pull them out completely because mm-hmm. it's no good. Audrey, I don't know, do you do fruit of any sort or? Uh, I'm establishing some blackberries, uh, raspberries, blueberries, and strawberries. Right. That's what I'm I'm working on right now. Uh, Is this a a new, a new adventure in the garden, the fruit side for you? Or is it something that you, you have, you know what I mean, done in the past? It's new in this garden. It's not new. Like, I always had fruit in the garden. Uh, but we're still establishing this property. So, um, yeah, right. it'll be great in years. I want to do a big tree or two if I can get one to live in my climate. Yes. Well, you didn't you mention just uh, not, was it a couple of days ago, that you start now, the temperatures are now starting to, like, go oh, yeah. down? We've got UK weather right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and nope. we were, you know, we were hot as heck two weeks ago. Uh-huh. And now it's like, yeah, you need a turtleneck and a sweater. And yeah, welcome to and the we club. Had, we got very close to our first frost, which was very early for us. Wow. Uh, wow. So this is really all going to be about getting some stuff out. So have you still got stuff in, Audrey, that could be hit by a frost? Uh, All my peppers are still in. I rolled the dice with them the other night. I thought, you know what, let's see what happens. They seem to be okay. But I believe this week we're going to have two nights that are going to be below freezing. And pepper plants will not, they won't tolerate that. So So I know your pepper plants won't tolerate it, but will it damage the actual fruit as well? I I really don't know because I've never left them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I'd risk it because I have a, a lot of peppers that are ready to turn. And I think if I bring them in, they will turn to right, the right, right color. Jess, so, is, is that something, Jess, that you've kind of noticed or have left, you know, like peppers in the frost Scotland? Did the, have you ever, like, lost peppers that way or? I mean, we don't get... We don't get frost very often, but I mean, the closest I can come to really is if you leave a pepper in the fridge too close to the back and it gets too cold, it just turns to mush instantly. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's going to be exactly the same if it gets too cold out yeah. in the out in the garden. So your your climate, um, although we're the same country, you you don't get that many frosts, do you not? <gasps> no, Man. we got um, we got frost last year. Year before, we didn't get any frost. There was no ground frost, right. nothing the whole year. <laughs> so There's no gonna... justice in this world, is there? There's no justice in this world. The only frost that you get is at the back of a fridge. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're up against the wall here. We've got the wall. <laughs> but I wonder, Steve, I know we're kind of joking on there, but it's a, it's a good point. And... But if you haven't got a frost, that means you might. Is this just a myth, you know, where you need a good frost to kind of kill all the germs and all the bugs and things like that for the next season? 
It certainly, yeah, it certainly kills things like slugs off. I mean, if if you've had a really cold winter, you'll notice it next spring. And there's, you know, there's still slugs around. Some will survive, but there's just not as many. And once they start to breed again, you know, but if you have a mild winter, you certainly notice that in spring because they're everywhere and all your seedlings will get hit. And as gardeners, we'll have a bad spring. Have you got any thoughts on that then, Jess? Because that makes, it makes a good point. I never even thought that. Do you... the, idea of, uh, the idea of a time of year when you don't have slugs is quite thrilling. <laughs> <laughs> it's just constant. Like, yeah, they're just always there, always. Is that is that? Would you say that's your main pest down there, slugs, or is it just a constant well, every month think, or something else? I mean, we've got a lot of pests and things, and I think probably part of the f- reason is is that it just doesn't get cold enough to kill anything off. But the one that I yeah. struggle with most is uh, blackfly. I have a terrible, terrible time with blackfly. And last year, um, there wasn't any let up. Like we had blackfly for the whole 12 months right and what what does it just what does it kind of go for you know just for people to kind of look out for does it aim for something specific or does it just covers everything well it's just it's uh supposed to be so there's um you often get told to make like a garlic spray for black fly you know you put um uh, garlic and water and a bit of oil and tiny bit of soap liquid in a blender and strain it and then spray that on. But I get black fly on the garlic, so <laughs> it's, not, it's never actually worked for me. It's, uh, <laughs> they're not they're not bothered about garlic. Uh, the garlic hives this year was they always go for like everywhere. They go for the very very tips of the plants and. If the plants are quite well established, you don't really have that much of a problem with them. We just leave them there. But if they're constantly taking the sap out of, you know, the new growth mm-hmm. and it gets too yeah. warm, then it can really just mess everything up. When it's on the bigger plants and it's a bit lower down, I just don't really bother about it. But it's a pain on its own. So are we talk- when you say plants, are we talking about anything? Like, say, turnips to garlic to, to onions to anything? Um, yeah. Are- Right. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of someone that doesn't get black fly. No, because right, because that's it's it's. That's I think they get things that they prefer. You know, like they will go for bean tops mm-hmm. first. Yeah. And, um. Yeah, that's their absolute favorite. See, we we get the odd little breakout, Jess, but nothing where it's like the the, the number one. You know what I mean? The number one, I think for us, probably the number one is slugs and snails, that kind of thing. I don't know. Steve, what about you? Is What's your number one enemy? Or is it just a, a, a constant of different varieties? Um, well, I've got all the familiar pests, the same as everyone, you know, pigeons and even rabbits get into my plot occasionally. Not very often, but they do. Well, slugs, yeah, they're probably the worst. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I it's it's weird here what Jess was saying there because I've never seen black fly on anything except for beans. And I did read somewhere a couple of years ago that um, black flies are prevalent on allotment sites. They tend to be more prevalent on bigger allotment sites and where people are basically growing a lot of beans and they're growing them out of season. So they may grow runner beans through the normal summer season and then later on put a... Uh, a crop of French beans in for a late crop. Jess could probably get away with that in her climate, probably all the way up till Christmas. Mm-hmm. 
And then nowadays, of course, field beans are being used as a green manure, so that feeds there all, all year. But by the sounds of it, they're just attacking any green growth that's fresh, and which well, is even well, worse. We have, um, I think, also part of the problem is, you know that they um, the ants really farm them. They sort of encourage them. Yes. We have a huge, I mean, they don't cause a problem to the plants directly, but we have a huge ant population because we're basically just on sand and they mm, love it. Right. And so we have, yeah, we just have ants just constantly all year round. And I think right. they don't, but like, yeah, it's interesting to think that maybe the fact that we are growing beans all year round, which we are, I grow a lot of field beans. Maybe that's, yes. maybe that's part of the issue. But you can watch the ants, literally, your nice new beans you plant out. You just watch an ant walking up to it like that, holding a black fly, and then he just puts it <laughs> nice new beans, and that's it. It's like, it's, <laughs> God. <laughs> Can you? I mean, you've I don't got, know if you've you're... got to get out more. Really, if you're sat there watching an ant, you need to get out more. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's far that. Okay. Point. <laughs> <laughs> get to that museum <laughs> Audrey what about you for pests then what, I'm sure we've talked about this before what's, what's your biggest pest I think my biggest pest is squirrels ah that's right or, or white cabbage butterflies mm-hmm. I, I would love them to go live somewhere else so those are my two words. Those are my two words. And sure. what, what do the squirrels do, Audrey? What are, are the squirrels like the the, the really mean oh, ones? Or they're they'll climb up anything. They'll they like to take you know just one bite out of a squash, and then go over to a melon and take one bite out. <laughs> so that's why I put my all of my melons and squash in netted bags. Because they don't like to have to do that, mm-hmm. so I, I, think- I you know it's kind of like putting one of those clubs on your car to detract it being stolen. You're just slowing it down. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, yeah. make it easier for them to steal another car. That's really. I think I think that's what is, what you mentioned there. Though it's it's that you know if they would just maybe have the one melon and then leave everything else and eat the whole darn thing. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I I should show you pictures from several years ago before I started putting my stuff in bags, and it is just they they d- demolished seventy five percent of what I was growing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gosh, and and I'm not eating. I'm sorry, I'm not going to eat something that some rabid squirrel has been on. Right? Oh, oh, there's this hatred there, Audrey. This hatred. Oh, I, oh, oh. <laughs> Like, I have no time for those. <laughs> right. Matthew F. I think Effler, I think. Matthew, I'll just um, pop you on there. Matthew's asking, if you only had one four foot by eight foot, eight foot veg bed, what would you grow in it? Jess, if you only had one bed, what would you do? What would you Vertical. grow? Grow up. Now there's... Up. Oh, I could, eh? It's almost like the... Being clever would be a question, but yes, you could. You could just have it everything grown up, couldn't you? Yeah, because you're, you're going to do beans. Just do, just do. You know, high growing beans. You've mm-hmm. got. Well, I um, was going to say like like square foot garden, so you could have different veg in every foot of a garden. So, but yeah, yeah vertical garden as well. Stephen, what about you? What would you do if you just had one 
one particular or oh, you only allowed one bed god oh. <laughs> well i do exactly what you said i was that was my immediate response is yeah square foot gardening and quick repeat crops to keep more and more stuff going and then into sowing and into cropping within there so it'd be incredibly intensive but it'd be amazed you, you could get so much out of that it's um so we you saying so we you saying there in the in the crop in the plant within the square foot Yes. Oh, that yeah. is intense of garden, that lad. Yeah, it is. But we, you know, you've got some. You might have something like uh, um, two or three cabbages in your little square foot, but you can sow spring onions in the middle of it, on, and then some radish at the front, but all in that same square foot. So when the cabbages come out, there's a crop ready, and then you could be thinking about either sowing your next one directly into the soil or growing in modules to plant your next plants. So just keeping it going, keeping it working. There was, it seemed like a couple of years ago on YouTube, there was this trend of like square foot gardening. It was all, you would see all the yeah. folks doing the videos. Yeah. That. Have you ever done anything like that, Steve? Or is that, you don't really I used need to, do, to do you? <laughs> no, not here, but before I had the allotments, I did it up here at home. Just go out and sow a little line and stuff. It might have been between a couple of roses, but I, I just had loads of food coming out the garden. Just mix the veg in with mm. the flowers out in the garden, and uh, that worked. Or in a pot, you know, just sow some lettuce. Seed. Just, just keep going. Just keep throwing so seeds at soil and let them get on with it. Do you, do you think sometimes we're a little bit too precious with our gardening, where you could cram way more in? Do you know what I mean? Or is it best to kind of the more space, the the, the better the plants? Sometimes we are. Um, I mean, things like with uh, Brussels sprouts, I've, I've never seen anybody grow at the distances that I saw as a lad. Uh, and I've never seen anybody grow like that. But you get so much better, better Brussels sprouts, and that's a sort of a three-foot space in between plants. If you grow at that space, you get fantastic Brussels sprouts. But as I see people watching on youtube or down at the allotment and putting plants in every 12 inches and then they wonder why they get small sprouts or none at all so do you do you still with brussels sprouts good three foot spacing is it i did last year this year i didn't i've gone about two foot this year because right, i had right. a x number of plants and i wanted to get them in got them all in and then the cabbage whites got them <laughs> <laughs> Audrey, they're still growing. They've come back and then getting sprouts come on them, so it'll be right, all right. Well, that's all right. That's all that matters. Audrey, what about you yeah. then with, with planting space-wise? Uh, plant garlic. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no I, I first need to commend Jesse for that was really kind of like a Kirk Kobayashi Maru answer. Like you thought way outside the box, came up with s some other way to look at it. So, sorry, that was the Star Trek. Um, yes, I, I got it all. I got that. Um, I got that. You know. Uh, uh, I would grow, uh, I do grow intensively my lettuces. Um, I would do some things up up a trellis as well. Like, I'd probably throw a few squash in there because I feel like you'd get a little more bang for your buck there. Uh, I would be devastated if all I had was a four by eight bed. Oh, I know. That's the that's the kind yeah, of thing, that, Audrey. It's like it's scary to kind of just that think would, that's it. That's so all we've hard. got. It's gosh, that would be so hard. I have to rethink my whole philosophy on gardening. Uh huh. Uh huh. Because I'm all about 
you know, varieties and tried but something new. I guess, though, you know what I mean? We, we kind of take it for granted. We've all got, you know, like kind of a, a nice size allotment. You know, there is some people that haven't got, you know, have got or just want that size. So it's nice to kind of, Jess, I thought it was a, because I never thought of that. You know what I mean? Well, I've got that size bed, but go straight up. Do you know what I mean? It was just like, because then you could just have so much, you know, even way more than the square foot. On a lot of roof gardens where Mm -hmm. you don't have much, like you've got nothing really (laughs) other than what you can carry up the stairs. And you can just get so much more by growing things upwards than. than Well, Jesse, I forgot I should have done. For that, for that question there, thank, thank you, thank you very much. Yeah. You are you're allowed to take a little yeah, sip of your lager. <laughs> there we go. Thank you very much. Ciao. So let's have a look. That was a great question, to be honest. There, Stephen is asking. There, Stephen is asking. Onions from seeds tend not to bolt as quick. That's what I found. Also, someone Stephen's actually asking must be telling a question. So. Onion, Stephen, because we are going to have a hopefully a special roundabout the box day. I don't know if I'll be kind of to sow you say to sow onions any type on of onions day. on Boxing Day. This is what your granddad did. Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, what he did, and I had my own little wooden step so that I could stand on it and see on the bench and see what he was doing, which is um, well, quite sweet, really. But <laughs> Yeah, I've done that from a very young age. Boxing Day is the traditional day for sowing onions. So just onions or... Because I was going to ask you this as well, Steve. You know how... And I give actually some of them banana shallots to a neighbour and they must have been the wrong seed because they look like just old now. You know the ones I grew, the banana shallots? Yeah. They just look like worn-out spring onions. So I'm sure they were like the wrong seed. But... Getting back, would you just sow onions, red and white onions on Boxing Day, or would you, can you sow shallots, banana shallots? Can you do everything on that one day? Well, I mean, these days, all the sort of borderlines of, of sowing dates seem to be stretched massively, and people take it upon themselves to do what they want to do, which which is fine. But traditionally, uh, Boxing Day was the always the sowing day for onions. Now, with my Zebrun Shalotto, I generally don't sow them until about late February, early part of March. And at the same time, I do my leeks then. I find if I go any earlier with leeks, then they'll run to seed in the autumn. And I really want my leeks to stand all winter and through to the hungry gap next year. If you sow them too early, they'll run to seed, get the hard core through the middle, and then they just they don't seem to last very well once you've harvested them. Mm-hmm. So if you harvest half a dozen for a week, by day three, they're sort of gone over, they start drying out. Not very nice to eat. I think probably, Steve, that you might have hit a, a nail there with me on the head. I think I might have so mine because I'm going to say a quarter of them have ran a seed and it was only, you know what I'm yeah. thinking? I wonder if I did. Do you know what I mean? I, got, I mean, we got carried away, Stephen, with all the... That's it. That's exactly what happened. Uh-huh. People get so excited. They, you know, the first hint of a slightly warmer day, and they think, spring is here. Uh-huh. Spring is here. And got to do everything today and get it started. And I see it so often. I see people planting out tomatoes, and, you know, they're looking at their phone, and there's a frost predicted on that, and thinking, well, why are you doing it? You know, just hold back, wait, relax, and be patient. Jesse, are you a, a patient gardener or a, a not a patient gardener? I think between mum and I, we are 
she's incredibly impatient about something. And my reaction to that is to be like, whoa. And then it's like, <laughs> so when we see the other person kind of getting a bit overexcited, we do like try and step in. But <laughs> it's uh, an intervention sort of gardening rather than. And do you sometimes kind of get a bit kind of not saying misled, but like you know, you watch a couple of YouTube videos and you think, God, I should have getting I should have gotten the garlic in there now, or, or do you never kind of suffer from that, you know, like anxiety of like, oh, I'm quite keen. I'm quite keen. If I see somebody doing something once, I'm happy to try it once. But it's a bit like the cucumber, the Bob Flower Dew cucumbers that I did this year. He was on Gardener's Question Time, and he was like, oh, um, I'm going to sow my cucumbers in January and everyone on the panel was like what you know up in arms and I did it I sowed Socrates and they started producing their cucumbers in March and they're still producing cucumbers now oh, and right brilliant and I will be doing that again and when I heard it I was like what the hell are you talking about Bob uh, and I gave it yeah. a go and it actually worked so sometimes it is worth you know having a go so yeah just be kind enough just to, because I like to be jumping in early, kind enough just to talk us through what, Bob, so did you have lights and heat all the way through for you? No, not at all. Uh, they're just, so we've got a conservatory at the back of the house, but it's not like, it's not heated. Right. Um, and where the roof joins the top of the wall, there's like, you know, a gap like that to stop condensation. So it's not a warm um like greenhouse like a heated type thing mm -hmm. and I started them off inside so like on shelves in the sitting rooms like you know really early seedlings like you would just planted them out it must have been about February I planted them into bigger pots kept them in the sitting room just a bit longer and yeah they were huge by the time March came along they were like four foot tall and I had all these canes crammed in the pots and yeah, they were producing by March, and I was just absolutely astounded. It's absolutely brilliant. I don't know if I would try it with long cucumbers, but you know, Socrates is like yeah, the little six-inch ones. One. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not it's not one of those tiny little jobbies, but it's a yeah. So, yeah. How, when did you move your pots outside? How long did you have your pots inside for? Um, and did you like then take them out of the pot and bury them in the soil? We picked the first cucumber on in the third week of March. And they, had, they hadn't started producing any fruit before we put them in the conservatory. So we must have put them in there. Right. Like in March. I'm, also, I'm sorry, so they stayed in the conservatory. You didn't kind of take them out. They never went out. No, right, I just right. left them sat in there for the, for the, whole, of the, the whole of the summer. And what and about they, feed? You, have you been feeding them? Yeah, or? I just, just seaweed feeded them, really. I had a bit of comfrey, like, alternated between right. seaweed and comfrey, and uh, they've been brilliant. And what, what size? I'm, I'm, just, I'm dead in this there. What size pots? I'm, I'm, I'm going to just like, cut this little bit out and keep it and then rewash it and rewash it. Because I sowed mine pretty early, and I'm sure I got a few folks saying, oh, do you know what I mean? But a bit earlier. Yeah. But I didn't kind of keep them in the houses. It was all in the hut and... I'll tell you what we got to bear in mind is uh, is Jess's climate as oh, well. Oh, I know, I know, I know. So I mean, did you say there was an air gap at the top like that, yeah. at the top of the walls? So that's yeah. straight out to the outside. Straight out I'm to just, the garden. I'm just wondering if there's an element of when the plant is young and vigorous and starting to grow away, whether because that's used to that weather outside already, that it, it does so well. Because it's getting used to that environment while it's such a young and vigorous plant. There might be an yeah. element of that in it as well. 
Yeah, it's possible. I know the ones that, um, just by chance, the ones that I ended up sowing, like at the time I normally would, so much later, maybe April sort of time, that would normally go into the Mm -hmm. greenhouse, suffered so badly in the heat. I never got anything. I mean, I got some from them, but it wasn't anything like I would have expected to. So the one... The ones that were at home and just been doing Socrates, is that the... <laughs> there we go. Welcome then. to the potty mouth cucumber show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Audrey, I, I mean, you're talking about kind of doing a lot now. You're going to start doing your sewing now indoors and you're growing veg now because you win right. that indoors. What about right. cu- was, is cucumbers something you would like think about or? I never have, but after this discussion, oh, I, know. I, know. I just might give it a shot. Because mm-hmm. there's nothing like a fresh cucumber. So, yeah, I just might try that. And especially like what Jess was saying there, like that, that early, do you know what I mean? And... A cucumber in March uh-huh. is a oh, thing of great beauty. I'm just looking, I've got me pen. When did you see you sewed them, Jess? <laughs> now, now stop Stephen now I'm just you know what I mean everyone's learning when did you saw them Jess <laughs> I'd have to I'd have to look back but I, w- I would say it was in that second wave so when I sowed my tomatoes so it was probably uh, the last week of January right right oh. I would think so but I will double check that am I so am I getting me years wrong, though, Jess? It was this year that you had your tomato trouble, wasn't it? Yeah. So the cucumbers didn't suffer from that? Wow. Oh. And they were, oh. the same, they were in the same room. Uh-huh. But, which is what, but they weren't, you see, this, you know when we had this discussion before and you were saying that it could have been something that was in the actual tap water? Yeah. Yeah. The cucumbers had been watered um, only with the the watering cans that I had stood outside that already had the comfrey feed mixed in them. Uh, so which is what made me think that maybe you were right. It was actually something in the in mm-hmm. the tap water because they were absolutely fine, no problem. So it couldn't have been something environmental like mm-hmm. in you know in the air or a virus or something because they they weren't affected. That could be your hey? Stephen, is this because Stephen gets excited when something new comes along so would you be interested to try and grow cucumbers in February? <laughs> oh, well, I don't. I don't like growing plants that are going to die. Let's put it that way. But would you keep it in? Would you keep it in your greenhouse? Because you've got a greenhouse and you can kind of mother it in there, couldn't you? I mean, I might. I might try it next year, but I, I really wouldn't hold out much hope of it surviving. Not with the temperatures we get here, mm-hmm. and not at that early point in the year. Uh, if, if I had a uh, Climates like Jess's, gosh, yeah, go for it. And um, there'd be many other things that'd be wonderful, wonderful fun because there'd be many other things you could do as well. Well, that's I'm just going to let people know. Like, Steve, if you don't know, is kind of right inland, and I'm actually on the coast, so we get like a little milder climate. But I would have thought, Jess, you must be inland as well, so I would have thought you would even get, but obviously, down south, you obviously don't get that many frosts then. But you know, the likes of. We're right on the side, on the south side of Richmond Hill. So it's just hot sand, basically. We don't really get get that much of a frost. Right, right. I mean, some years we do. It's not like it never happens, but the last couple of years we've had nothing. I've just noticed in the comments, um, I think it was Anne, just said that she tried the, the um, cucumber 
experiment as well, but she's just gone over the top of the chat and I don't have the scrolly. I was just right. wondering where she was based. Sure. I'm it's, not... Um, um, right, well, Anne, if you pop it back in again so we can, we can get... Anne up. Clark. And get uh, so everyone's going to be doing the the Bob Flower Dew method. I, I can see Audrey there with tears in her eyes. You know this guy because the frost's going to come to Audrey, and it's just going to be brutal, Audrey, isn't it? <laughs> well, I'm thinking I need to start a cucumber in the house right now. Uh huh. Well, when you think, yeah, you know what I mean. If you can, you're going to be I'm doing other with lights. But I also think uh, maybe a bush cucumber, so it's a little more controllable. Mm-hmm. You know oh. what, Audrey, when you mentioned as well, and it worked a treat for me. You know when you were saying if you you know, if you want to be a kind of cheap and use juice from a gherkin, you know, like a jar of gherkins, use I did that, you know, and it honestly it worked a treat. It was just sure just does. exactly like the ball one. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Really, really no, um it's a very tip. easy way to get a pickle. Yes. yes. Jess, I forgot to tell you, don't forget, we need a tip off you as well, but not just yet, but I forgot to mention, don't forget that tip. Yes, tip of the week. Actually, so you so your cucumbers in February. <laughs> January. January. Right. Worcestershire. What? Right, Worcestershire. Right, right. Worcestershire. Right. <laughs> you look at this. Sheila's, Sheila's saying there. Uh, Sheila Leitz is saying, uh, Jesse, can you give Tony some DIY tips on how to do them without, <laughs> <laughs> without throwing a hissy fit? And you're so complete and calm. Also, Jess, are, are you a calm DIYer? Are you, does, things work, does things work well for you? Or do you not show them like the bits where it goes wrong and you mother chucker in a way to yourself? <laughs> Can't really go go that wrong. It's normally oh. all right. Man. Yeah. Oh no, God, 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 my DIY skills are you know it's kinda of, if it doesn't go right the first time, then you, I can just feel it welling up and do you know what I mean? It's just like and then like DIY in general, to be honest, like house DIY, bloody hell. It's just <laughs> don't even go there. Don't even go there. That's how I got on my question, Stephen. Stephen Stevenson, plans for 2023. What's your plans for next year? Some dreams and aspirations. Ooh, um, I want to develop that little area in front of the tunnel at the back because that's really where I want eventually to be put in a stove and a bit of a barbecue area. <laughs> so I want to... I want to finalise that area. Well, I want to do cooking on the block, go down and cook my lunch. Right, that's, right. That's the idea. So I want some sort of a, a cooking grilling area, um, but probably with a like a rocket stove, rocket stove oven, so that sort of thing. So is this the area where it's kind of you've got like a bit of a ramp going down there now from out of one polyton? There's a ramp or something. Is that is that where? Yeah, I'm, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, right. It's where I've got that big compost, the hot composter that I keep showing you every every two or three days. <laughs> you get the video how good it's how good it's going. Oh, I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jess, any aspirations and dreams for next year? 
Tomatoes. Oh, yeah, well... Oh, <laughs> I'll send you some... I'll buy some from Asda for you and send some over. Right, because... So, so, I was doing... I was back on the old spreadsheet this morning, just, like, looking at all the varieties that I was growing last year and which ones I'm actually going to try, and I just... The, I just remember, I got, like, this welling up, the remembering and the excitement of all these tomatoes that I sowed, and then knowing what happened to them, I was just like, oh... So, <laughs> so, as it happens, Jess, yeah. I've just that's one of my questions there. Have you getting rid rid of now? Is all your t- tomato plants that you got eventually got? Is, is them all finished? Are they out of the polytunnel? Um, they're still going. I mean, I've still got tomatoes to pick, so I'll pick all of them. But the peppers, I mean, it just ha- just hasn't been a year for all that stuff that, that I had mm-hmm. started really early. This wasn't a year for it, so. Um, because well, it's funny because I, I was going down the lines, but again, again, we've just found out you don't get that many frosts. Because I've just cleared the last of my tomatoes there now on the on the back of. I'm I'm frightened there'll be a, like a hard frost sometimes, and I don't want to kind of get anything spoiled. But I guess with you, that's you're on easy street for that kind of thing. <laughs> well, I, my door on my polytunnel is just shot to pieces. So uh, there doesn't have a door or window, so it's just open. It's basically they're just in a little plastic. Right, tent right. rather than a polytunnel so if we do get a bit of cold they are gonna they are gonna suffer but um everything's in everything in there's fine the only problem i've had is a lot of watering issues um this year so something i'm going to try and do is i've got a um water butt outside the polytunnel i'm just going to raise it up a bit and try and get a leaky hose running into the uh into the bed in the polytunnel because right. yeah. Struggled, struggled to keep it that um, adequately watered this year, even though it was really hot. I just you know when it gets to that point where you're watering and it just doesn't actually absorb into the. Into oh, the I've, yes, definitely. Just like floats on the top and just. Yeah. Didn't, I mean, didn't you have a, a watering system on your roof? Well, <laughs> that, <you> did. <laughs> that was um, yeah, an improvised <laughs> tank. Improvised watering, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was quite and fantastic. Plant, that was parsley plant right underneath where I stabbed the hole in the roof, and it is the lushest looking parsley plant. You've ever seen. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Brilliant, Audrey. Any dreams and aspirations for next year? Any any excitement coming your way? Yeah, I'm going to graft my uh, indeterminate tomatoes. So I want to see if doing that will give me a better uh, harvest and healthier looking plants. Uh, I want to grow artichokes. And I want to get better at intentionally, uh, not rotating, like planting in intervals. Mm Mm-hmm. I I can do that for a minute, and then I'm. Problem is, I start too many seeds, and then I feel bad throwing any of them. Oh, out. Audrey, that's exactly. I'm, oh man, honestly, I think I think that's. Yeah, yeah I think that's any gardener kind of. You know what I mean? You've got. I also want to sow enough that if I have some problems with germination, I still have a met, the amount of plants I want. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then I end up with, and then I start planting them all, and. It does not leave a lot of room to do any interval planting. So I, I somehow want to get better at that. Audrey, are we sometimes a little bit precious with like crop rotation, or are you a little bit precious? Because I've just of late, and I, I go down the 
excuse me, that's me, the Pepsi Max going around there, like watching the Charlie Dowden like videos. And he's started now not to kind of bother crop rotations. You know what I mean? Like just keep on feeding your soil and you, you're good to go. Is that something you think about or are you quite yeah, precious I about? No, I don't crop rotate at all. Mm-hmm. I don't. No, 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 that's good. It's nice to know them because you, I've seen your veg. Do you know what I mean? So... Yeah, I just I don't do it, but I try to, you know, add lime when I'm planting brassicas in a place. But I tend to, like this year, I really want to have a, 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 like a brassica cage that is permanent. Mm-hmm. So that I can just maybe hinge to open because this last year, those, all those white butterflies just made me nuts. Uh, so I'd like to like have something more permanently built. So that would mean I'm not rotating that a lot. So, and I'd be fine with that. Jess, what about you then? Is Are you a bit precious with crop rotation? Or is it something you're kind of discovering that we don't really need to bother with? Um, my mum and dad used to crop rotate a lot. Like it was religious. It would be this three beds, then this three beds, and this three mm-hmm. beds. But um, remember all the old boys on the plot, they always used to have permanent runner beam stands. You know, they would hammer them in the ground with old scaffold poles or whatever, and they would be there for 20 years. So they got perfectly good runner beans. The only thing that we do rotate, and it's more out of convenience, is the brassicas because we plant field beans in them over the winter. To, just so we've got enough black fly when they do arrive. <laughs> just, just so the black flies ready for the spring. So we put um, put the. Um, field beans into like three beds that we're going to plant the brassicas in and we can't do them in the same bed that the brassicas are already in from the winter so they do tend to shift each mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. but it's not kind of an intentional right plan. right 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 Stephen, what about you sir uh i used to uh crop rotate religiously uh with all the major ones it's like Jess was saying now with your runner beans, you dig them out every year, empty your compost heap into the bottom of the trench, then your runner beans were ready for next year. And things like sweet corn, they don't need to rotate. I don't do it anymore, but I try not to follow one crop with the same variety of another. So I'll try not to follow a brassica with a brassica and an allium with an allium if you catch my drift. Is that just though, like, is that because you've always done it that way? Because like I can see I've watched. Charlie Dowden, and he's quite blatantly doing it, you know, like as a test as well. He's feeding quite heavily with the compost. Mm -hmm. I mean, where he puts an inch of compost on every year, I'm I'm doing it every two years. So I do it more from a a feeding standpoint, and I know roughly what what a plant's requirements are from the soil uh, and roughly what it's going to take from that soil. And then next year I'll put a plant in there that's going to have different requirements and will have enough feed left in that soil. Yeah. Then I'll feed the bed again and then start it over. So right. we do it more from that standpoint. And, of course, I don't want a, um, a build-up of pests or diseases either. So mm-hmm. I think that's it. I think all that's left now is tips of the week. Audrey, I'm going to jump to you straight away. Yes, poor lads. (laughs) (laughs) Tip of the week. My tip of the week is if you're like me and do not have compost bins, as I'm pulling everything out this year, it's just being cut up and laid on top of my beds. So I'm 
kind of composting in place this year. Mm-hmm. And has it, Audrey, has it, will it have broken down enough, do you think? Oh, or? yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because it's, it's under frozen snow for mm-hmm. five months, four mm-hmm. months. And that's so, just, yeah, just going to... And, but if it's a big, huge uh, thick stock, you know, you cut it up a bit before you put it out there. Are you so, not a little bit kind of, because I am, mind you, Audrey, you know, like if I see like, see, not a dirty bed, but a bed that's got like old leaves on and stuff, I sometimes want to clean it and get a nice new soil. Sure, I'd rather have beautifully tidy, but it also adds a lot of good nutrition to the beds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If yeah. nothing else, it adds uh, just some more organic materials to the bed, mm-hmm. which in some ways can almost be as good. So, Yeah. I I, I kind of can get past that. And has this been something that you've been doing, or is this quite new to you? No, this is quite new, because right. I thought, why are we packaging all this up and putting it out in the trash? And, of course, mm. they have we have, like, a, a recyclable and greens. We can, you know, recycle greens. or in, Anyway, they're in brown paper bags, uh, and they make compost out of it. But I thought, why am I just giving that all there why don't i just put that on Uh top of my bed Uh so i'm doing that like yeah i'm going to be very committed to that this year thank you that was a great tip thank you Stephen. tip of the week sir well i think that people as as the season goes on now and most of the harvesting is done a lot of people tend to hibernate now over the winter go home and do very little in the garden stay on your plots turn your compost heap over and start a new one and just keep working, working your compost heap, work some more cardboard or some grass clippings into it. Just keep those compost heaps working, working for you. And then come spring, you've got loads of fresh compost to start the year with. I think it, even Steve, just what you're saying, be on your allotment plot. Like you see, I'm turning up there yeah. now and there's no one. Do you know what I mean? There's no yeah. one. I haven't seen a soul now for at least two to three weeks. I haven't seen a soul yeah. on that comp. You know what I mean? It's just like there's so much people to do. Just, you know what I mean? The people just pack up for the pack up for the winter. I mean, if you've got soil beds, you can dig your beds over, and that will help with the drainage over the winter. Um, if you've got new ground that you need dug over, if you just dig it over into clumps now, when the frost comes, the frost will actually break it up for you as well. So you're doing so much good by being there. If you've got um, no dig beds, keep them weed free or put your next layer of compost on. There's tons of things you can be doing at this time of year. Even cleaning the glass on your greenhouse or the plastic on your polytunnel. So many jobs to do. And it's so much better than staying and watching telly. Anyway, what do you think of the new Andor Star Wars? Is it good? (laughs) Uh, The first couple were a bit difficult. The second couple were a little bit easier. I think it's getting, for me, yeah, it's it's exactly. The first one was a little bit weird, too too much backstory, but loving it there now. Anyway, we're in the plot. We're not watching TV. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Get back, turn your soil over. (laughs) Yes, yes. Tip of the weeks, please. It's not very relevant, but it's just coming to like my realization uh, this week, actually, just before I went away, was that uh, my coriander, I've always had terrible time growing coriander. Um, and when I have grown it, it's been gnarly and quite unpleasant. You know, it's just rough and it's not like when you buy it in the shops. Well, yeah. I started growing it in the carrot bed, which is, got, which is completely enclosed by a really tight Enviromesh box. 
and protecting it from like the wind and the rain and it's just been in yeah. a really pushy environment it is lush as all hell right it's beautiful just you know taking huge clumps <laughs> and cutting it off it's been a joy and now it's even gone to flower but the stems are so tender still that they that you just can chop the whole lot together so i'd say brilliant so is the, so do you think that the, the wind do you think the wind in the environment's th- what's causing that kind of roughness yeah, then being battered around you're uh-huh. going to be a more robust plant you're going to have to put up some sort of a defense against it like you couldn't be lovely and lush and soft and be in the mm-hmm. wind and these have just been they haven't had any of that they've had all the fresh air and the um the air movement and everything but they've just been in a really really great environment and it they've it's just been wonderful <laughs> they've just been having a big cuddle Hey, well, it's been fantastic. Listen, Jess, Steve, Audrey, thank you so much again. You're welcome, Tony. The, t- the tips have been fantastic as well. Jess, it's been lovely having you, our special guest. Thank you very Cheers. much. Yes, you can go and finish your other five. I'm going to go down. <laughs> yeah, Audrey, it's been lovely having you again. Thank you so much. Thank Stephen, you. always a pleasure, never a chore. Thank you, sir. Thanks for yeah. doing this again, Tony. Yes, Much yes, appreciate it. Nobody thank ever you. says thank you to you. Oh, yeah. oh, it's just nice. It's just nice to talk about gardening. To be honest, I'd like to say it. there's no one in the allotment to talk about it, so I thought it'd be friends. No. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Everyone, thank you so much for turning up again. Don't forget, this show will be a podcast. As soon as I get sorted, I'm going to go and have my tea there now, though. But till next week, look after yourselves, everyone. Take good care. Do a bit. Cheers, Bye. everyone. Thanks, Jane.